Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Brad, the CTO at AVI Systems, and we have a follow-up discussion to part one of Faith in the Workplace. We discuss how to redefine the definition of productivity and the importance of finding a community where you can make real relationships. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. But let's talk about you. Let's, I yeah. want to know what's been going on this past year. I've been watching your YouTube videos, or at least you put out one YouTube video talking about getting back to work. It was well done. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, we've been... Uh, so when the pandemic hit, a week before the pandemic hit, we heard everybody you know, talking about this whole national shutdown and blah, 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 and we all kind of scoffed at it. I got my team together, and, and I think I shared the story with you and said, hey, we've got a week. What can we do in seven days to bring something new to the marketplace? Let's begin to imagine what customers are going to be doing. And uh, that shifted our go-to-market model. And we've been delivering these kind of inspirational plus thought leadership plus very actionable outcomes. And, and that, quite honestly, has, has kept us going in a lot of ways. So from a business perspective, uh, we've reinvented ourselves. We bought into a, a global um, alliance. We're the largest shareholder of this uh, global delivery model that uh, enables us now to work in 50 countries. And the scale and opportunity has just really exceeded my expectations. And so that's been fun. The new technologies that we've come up with have just been outrageously cool. What are they? Yeah, so you, you talk about some of the YouTube, there's just a ton of of content that we've created. And then on top of that, kind of reimagined what a all hands meeting could look like, uh, reimagined what keynotes could look like, where it's not slide decks and very linear, it's, you know, integrated with video and motion graphics and all this other kind of stuff and become more storytelling, a little bit less about communicating facts that's really launched uh, a lot of activity with our customers and kind of transformed how they communicate to their workforce. Family, it's been awesome. So uh, uh, in March, we had our March of last year, we had our ninth grandchild was, was uh, born and uh, that's been fun. They, they live close, uh, they live in Vegas. So that's kind of close to us and we spend time with them. Um, we had part of our family move to Nashville. We already had a daughter in Nashville. We had a son, his wife, their four kids moved to Nashville. Um, so we actually haven't, as a my wife and I, we haven't actually slowed down much. We've we've uh, we're not traveling at the pace that we used to, but we haven't really stayed home either. And uh, that's been uh, interesting through the whole pandemic and that kind of thing. So personal and business has been good. You were at a studio last time, right? That's you were yeah. in Vegas at a yeah, studio. That was my, and that's when we my talked. Yeah. studio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> are you so? Are you out like camping and visiting them, or or are you just staying at their house, or how how are you traveling around and visiting them? Um, so it's a little bit of everything. Not so much camping. Uh, we've we've done uh, a lot of hotels. We've we've uh, spent a lot of time with with them and the kids and and that kind of stuff. Cause we want to live life with our kids and our grandkids, not just visit to the extent that they want us to do that as well. 
And uh, we spend a lot of time as a result of that. And, and our grandkids are, you know, entering into the teenage years. So uh, it's sometimes it's helpful for the parents to have some grandparents around. So, right. What about your personal routines? How they must have gotten shaken up. You had to rebuild those. Oh, clearly. Um, gosh, where do I start on that? So on, on the personal routines, um, I, I've learned to put aside time every day to just be quiet, meditate, have a conversation with myself, with God, with whomever, um, do a lot of reading. I've done a ton of reading through all of this. And that's been very different because uh, I've been pretty much get up in the morning, light the afterburner, go until it's dark, right? And so having that enter into my life and be kind of part of my life, that's been really helpful for me. Um, in terms of, of other kind of personal lessons that I've had to learn, what do those look like? Gosh, I don't know. How about you? Maybe maybe uh, listening to you might spark some, some ideas for me. <laughs> well, I mean, everything changed. I um, My fitness was the hard one because, yeah. you know, the gyms originally closed. And so that made me have to figure out how to keep that routine up. Uh, obviously not being in the office changed like the lunch, my lunch schedules, my work schedules. But I think the trend is that it forced everybody to be very intentional about the use of their time, whether yeah. they were like an in-person company that went remote and then had to figure out how to track progress and things like that. I think being very intentional about your time, revisiting my schedule, adjusting it, it was I think it is very similar to how it was before because I was doing this like almost on a quarterly basis, just revisiting, yeah. but it was a like a shock to the system. It was like immediately redo everything. And then I kind of had to just deal with it. It's frustrating if you take all of your habits and just change them. Yeah. And and I think for me, so one of the things that did happen and you helped give me a minute to kind of gather my thoughts. One of the things is um, I, I found myself having to redefine what productivity looked like uh, because it, it very quickly turned into productive means I have, I'm meeting with people or talking with people. And while that might be part of being productive, it's not actually always productive. It's sometimes more busyness than business. And um, I've had to re realize that's not the definition of productive. And then I've had to really help myself and my team get to a place where we realized that we had to be very intentional, not just about the work product that we're working on together, but uh, the interpersonal connections had to be very intentional because they were, they were things that would happen as a result of proximity. And with the proximity reduced or eliminated, we had to discover new ways to be very intentional about developing those interpersonal skills. And um, a lot of people, and, and you know my team, you know them firsthand, right? Because we've worked together and you've helped us with our leadership um, experiences. And what, what that did is it, it forced us to find different ways of making sure that the EQ remained high between us, not just the IQ. And that EQ, that, that was harder than I would have imagined it. Especially when, you know, 
like you have this social credit when you're in office, right? These interactions, right. and then it can become sort of transactional through a Slack or a Teams. And so monitoring that balance and connecting with those individuals all of a sudden just looks different. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I get generally, we as a team are together at least once a quarter. We're probably in a, in a pre-pandemic world, we were together once a month someplace. Just not always the same place, just someplace we were all ended up someplace together. And uh, once a year, we would do a really intensive workshop, planning workshop, all of that kind of stuff. It was very inspirational. I bring in friends of mine that might, you know, speak or inspire us in this small group. And then on the weekends, the spouses would fly in and we would all as a family basically spend time together just doing something over the weekend. And uh, obviously we weren't able to do that. And I, I can see that the team is struggling as a result of not having that that connection and proximity to each other. That's for me. And I think this is like probably a good segue. That's I've been really grateful about the church family that I have because, right. you know, regardless of what religion I tell people, like get plugged in to your local church because a group of people who desire to do good and, you know, move the world forward, being around those types of people and being in community with them. It's just, it affects your, your entire life. Right. Right. And in, you know, you have your, typically we would have our office family, right? The people that you're interacting with and having s social conversations with, but then you remove all of that and you're stuck at home. Uh, and if you don't, we're made to be in relationship with other people. The worst punishment you can have in life is not even death. It's solitary confinement. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's so true. It's so true. And for us, this is another kind of personal transition for us. Um, and it started prior to the pandemic, but it had a, a really profound impact on us during the pandemic. Um, a few years ago, um, uh, several years ago, I, I think I shared with you that I was doing a lot of teaching and a lot of men's ministry and different things like that. And then um, a few years ago, about three, uh, my wife, Janelle, generally it starts with her. I'm the one that's unaware, right? And she started saying, you know, I just sense like God's telling us that we're going to, there's something different that's going to be happening with, you know, the ministry and serving and things that we're doing. And, and sure enough, about a year later, we saw that what God was beginning to speak with us about, he was actually planning us to do something a little bit different the church that we were serving at, and we had the pleasure of, of being, you know, part of the teaching team on, um, prior to the pandemic had birthed four other churches in the San Diego area. And so we began to kind of, so what's going on with those people? Cause those people, the pastors of those churches are very close to us. They're out pastoring at another place. And, uh, we found ourselves in that process being drawn to a church really close to our home. And so for the first time in a long time, my office is like five minutes from my house and our church is in that same community or, and having all of that together in a really local close proximity to each other um, has been very different for us. And so we've taken on a, a very different role at that church. And that's been just a joy, quite honestly, it's been so cool there but it's a very different kind of ministry and expression of church. And, and we found ourselves that that was a transition and it created 
a need to kind of build a different sense of community, like you said, through the church during the pandemic. So it was all interesting. So are you officially like a pastor? I don't even know what makes a pastor official. So do I have a, I don't think I have a title. So one of the things that we've learned over the years, we've had the titles at multiple churches in the past. And at the last couple of churches that we've been at, uh, we've actually, I think, had more impact without the title. And I think that, you know, the role pastor, sometimes that's a, sometimes that's expressed in the Bible as a gift, a gifting, and other times it's expressed as an office. And those who have the gifting don't always have the office. Sometimes those who have the office don't have the gifting. And uh, so for the last, I don't know, 15 years, maybe 12 or 15 years, we've, we've had the gifting and we've functioned in that role and the church leadership recognizes us in that role and the congregation does as well, but we don't carry an official title as pastor. And quite honestly, it doesn't matter to me whether we have that title or not. So I don't know, maybe that helps maybe explain. Yeah. It. You know, what just popped into my head, you know, like from my experience, like 80% of the leadership content comes from the church. That was one of the things that got me interested in this mm -hmm. topic and sort of on my list of pros, why to do this faith in the workplace. It started because a guest came on, did a rocket ship company, super yeah. exciting. And he started talking about God and I kind of didn't know how to do that. Like I have God in my personal life, but you know, at work, I had no clue like what, how people would respond to that or, you know, I was just at a loss. And so I said, what I need to do is I need to go get more involved uh, in my church and be around people who understand how to talk about God and spirituality and be open. And I, I happen to go to a very open church um, yeah. and, uh, and really understand how to get these words right, like how to talk about God, how to talk about faith in the workplace. And uh, then I thought, you know, who do I know <laughs> that's really good about this? That's in the tech world. And, and you were the first name to pop into my head. And then uh, so I had Pastor Randy on, who's been my pastor for about like eight or nine years. And then I figured we would uh, have you on and talk about it because you know, he's full on pastor. You're full on like technology and pastor. Yeah. So I figured it'd be a good perspective. Yeah, that was super cool. I listened, I heard his podcast with your pastor. Super interesting. Loved the conversation. Yeah. And leaders, so this leadership stuff that just popped into my head, have you noticed that before? Like if you go look at the leadership authors, like a lot of it comes from uh like faith. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's been that way actually for quite a long time, right? You know, and, and you look at the, some of the classics like Maxwell and and others, and 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 uh you can see where good leadership has a direct connection to compassion and, and good leadership has a direct connection to a sense of building community and, and bringing that community to a place that, that, you know, generally the community at large wants to go. And whether that, that community is a faith based community, we you know call that church, whether that community is, actually a social community, you know, that's a, a neighborhood I live in, or whether that community is in the workplace, I, I think that that uh, the ability to create a sense of community and lead that community there is something that ho hopefully good pastors have done. But there's another attribute to this that I think is super interesting. And that is for since the beginning of our country, maybe I'll go there, 
since the beginning of our country, way before the Declaration of Independence, the Bible was the foundation of what good social behavior was, irrespective of whether you saw it as a as a God-inspired, you know, providential document or not, or or liturgy, or whether you just saw it as a social construct. Believers and unbelievers generally respected and received it as kind of the definition of good social behavior. And so those who study the Bible have always um, or also been really good at leadership, it seems. Yeah, I listened to your, um, I don't know what the title was, but you sent it over this morning. (laughs) Oh, the 10 dysfunctions of Christians and work? Yeah, Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Thank you. I like how, I like how you, uh, discussed the importance of of work and how to think about work and some justification for doing a really good job at work. And I loved that you talked about the mentality that, and you were exactly right, you nailed it on the head. A lot of the media today will make people feel like victims and that they should be entitled to not have to work. Or they should right. get something for free. Um, and that's like a recipe for disaster. Like you don't, you don't even get to feel good. If you sit at home, I mean, Brad, if you sit at home all day and do nothing, like you don't feel good. You're just like, that should, that's a human thing. It's like embedded in us. That's right. want to do good work. That's right. And, and, and and the thing that I find really interesting is that, is that when you carry, I, I think in that, in that message, I talked about the association of the, of this entitlement to kind of being a victim or victimization and when you carry that sense of victim, you now have, you, you've resigned yourself to having no authority or control over what the outcome is. It, you're wholly dependent. The more you buy into that victim mindset, the, you're wholly dependent on somebody else solving the problem for you. But that's the, that's the absolute opposite of what somebody who's carrying a sense of faith or, uh, you know, the, the Christian principles that's really meant to enable you to regain loss authority in your life and find ways to move you and your family forward. It's, it's a completely different perspective in life. I think. Can I talk, can I open up a little bit and talk to you about some of my, some of my like hesitations or like holdups on my progression and my spiritual path. Yeah. Um, So I, I was, you know, I started going to church. I was like, okay, there's this dude, Jesus, you know, and he's doing some, some good work. And, and I was, I was pretty sold on like his methodology and his concepts and his teaching. And I was like, this is really brilliant. Got super hung up on the like superhero part, <laughs> right? Okay. Like it, all the stories in the Bible, of like the, the, the difficult physics problems. I won't say impossible because I'm totally cool with aliens coming down and beaming of light uh, and having people suck up into a ship. So if I'm cool with that, I gotta be cool with like someone else floating into the sky. Right. So, um, that just hung me up for a while as I I'd say, as like a technologist, as a very, as a very analytical type of person or that, at least that part of me kind of held me up. And then I was um, I was really struggling with it on the lead up to Pastor Randy's podcast because I was going to ask him about this because you know he's my pastor so it's like a personal thing he knows me he sees me every yeah. week you know and and but on that journey that like month up to knowing the podcast was going to happen struggling with this thinking about this writing all these notes I came to the conclusion that like for right now like the details don't matter to me 
like yeah. the like splicing the minute detail of did that one action have like was it two loaves of bread or did everybody have some bread like the the details of the story that it, it whether it just doesn't matter to me because it's the principle of the story it's the concept it's the teachings it's what you can extract from it and so i became i guess of this view of i I'm okay with whether it happened or not. I don't really, I don't need the superhero stuff to be true or the physics difficult stuff to be true in order for me to follow this path of life because I have lived multiple different ways and subjectively this brings me the most joy. And so yeah. for me, this is my path and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll share with you some ideas on this because I think this is a great topic. So um, first is this idea that that I think I think all of us, irrespective of of whether we're aware of it or not, are on some sort of journey to try and understand our, our connection with God, whether He exists or not. And, and like what your pastor said on the podcast, really trying to understand our purpose in life. And I'm a I'm a believer that that if you're really going to understand your purpose, you have to if you're if you're going to understand the purpose of something, you have to go to the Creator. And once you connect to the creator of it, you can begin to understand and rationalize what the purpose of the created thing is, regardless of whether that's a human or something else, right? Here's kind of the second part to the, so the first part is we're all on a journey and sometimes the things we struggle with, we just, we're just not at a place where we can understand the fundamentals of it. Here's the second thing. I, I think along with that, the results of what I know the truth in what I've learned gives me the ability to accept that to accept what the Bible says about the things I don't really understand. So there's there's this preponderance of evidence kind of thing that you begin to apply, and you say, "Man, I, I can't figure out that that uh, five loaves and two fishes thing. That just doesn't make sense to me as an example, or how you're going to raise somebody from the dead. That just doesn't make sense to me." But here's what I do know about God based upon what the Bible says and my experience and firsthand knowledge and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and if, if that evidence is true based upon what I do know, then I guess I have enough rationalization to believe the things I don't quite understand. And then here's the third thing. So I'll share with you a story uh, about a business trip I was on. <laughs> So I'm in Denver, I'm leaving our, our AVI office in Denver, I'm heading downtown to the hotel where I'm meeting with a bunch of, um, I'm doing kind of an advisory council meeting and development meeting the following day. And the Uber driver that picks me up to take me downtown says to me, you know, I'm not an Uber driver. I'm like, okay, that's great. Why are you driving me? Oh, my brother owns the company and blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. So what do you do? Well, um, I'm, I'm on a sabbatical, but I'm the quantum physics professor for the University of Colorado. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I'm an engineer. Oh, and he says, well, I'm also, I was also previous to going to the, to the University of Colorado. I was the quantum mechanics professor at, at Stanford. So we began to have this conversation about quantum mechanics, quantum physics. And I said, uh, Somehow my faith came out in the conversation. I don't even know how it came out, but somehow it came out. And, and he said, how, how do you rationalize both of those? How do you be an engineer 
and also understand, you know, be an engineer and be a man of faith. And I said, well, here's something that I've learned. So quantum physics says that the smallest particle that we can identify, everything is made up of that particle quirk and, and that's based on light, right? Yes. And that every sort of mass is made up of light as a result, yes. And every mass has a resonant frequency in it. Would that be correct? Well, that's true, okay. Well, the Bible tells me that the very first thing that happened was the creation of light, separating light from darkness, and it happened through a vocal command by God. So that says to me that everything at its basic form has both sound and light in it as its inherent definition of mass and existence. Because God spoke into existence light and separated light from darkness. And that was the very first thing that happened in Genesis. God created that through the spoken word. So it makes sense to me why I can understand the fundamentals of quantum physics and quantum mechanics, because they, they align with what I understand, how everything on the face of the planet and everything in the universe was made. It was first spoken through sound, which resulted in light and everything else derived from that. And so I, I share this because the things I understand give me faith and confidence to trust God in the things I don't yet understand. No, I like it. I like, I also think that some people argue over the details too much. Exactly. And it's just not <laughs> right. I mean, What's the benefit? The, there, and then I was laughing because I was telling my wife this and she's like, the devil's in the details. And I was like, hey, <laughs> she's like, that's basically what you're saying. And I was like, oh, I guess so. You know, right. Like the disagreement is in the details, too. I mean, you get a team yeah. together talking about any sort of project and the disagreements in the details. People generally agree on the direction to go. And then then the the disagreement comes up on the path to get there. Yeah. And I think to your what what you're saying is, is that. I can agree to accept this part of it for now and recognize that there's goodness in just this. And, and later, if God reveals something else to me, there's there's more to it. They probably won't contradict each other. And I'm you've you've come to the place where you're saying I'm I'm actually okay with that. There's enough goodness in what I know to put it to action today. It, well, it's faith, like yeah. right? It's. But I like to, I don't like to, I won't lie though. Like I won't lie. Like I have to be honest with myself as like a source of truth. And honestly, I feel it's more of a journey because yeah. for example, uh, at the back half of last year was the first time that I ever started tithing like to the church, right? <laughs> I've been going my, I was born in the church I'd going my whole life. And then I, you know, just for some reason, I just decided to like, Hey, let's start trying to do this, but there's no way I was going to do like 10% at once. Cause that would affect my life too much. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to go slowly because I want to do it in a happy way. Like I don't want to do it in like a forest way. Right. Right. And uh, so I, I started slowly and then things like life started to, it felt good. It felt good. When I went to church, I felt more a part of it than ever. Right. Like I felt like I contributed. I felt like when yeah. I heard the stories of people coming out of depression or like all of these things because of community, I felt good that my, my money was helping do that. And then you know, over the course of six months, I slowly built up and got to the point where I wanted wanted to be. And uh, it was it was a journey. It was like a little bit of trust, a little bit of faith, a little bit of results. And then so like to your point, when I see some stuff that like I don't 
understand that doesn't shake my faith at all in what I know to be true. Right. That's exactly right. That's it's solid. almost like at what point is that going to make more sense to me? That'll probably be something I learn about later on this journey. Cause I mean, I'm only 33 right now. Right. So, um, I'm okay with it. Like completely okay with, with the fact that I'm young and that I'm, I'm like a child in my spiritual walk. And as long as I keep living, you know, according to, uh, the principles in the Bible, things keep getting better for me. And so that's just what I can share with people. I don't, I, I'm not, I haven't done this a hundred times. <laughs> I can't teach it, but I'm going through it right now and it, and it tends to be working. So, so do you, do you find that, um, that people aren't actually looking for something sensational from your faith? They're actually looking more for something that's honest because they've seen a lot of sensationalism around faith and Christianity or any faith, but particularly around Christianity and and uh, many people have been, you know, dare I even say, you know, abused by the Christian church. And, uh, and so I think that people are looking, are looking less for uh, sensational faith, and they're looking more for honest faith. And if they find somebody who's actually on that journey and willing to walk that journey with them, that's way more attractive than someone who can stand on stage and talk about how they were, you know, a murderer or a drug dealer and somehow God saved them. I think the honest faith is really what people are looking for. What do you think? Yeah, I think they're looking for honest faith. I think they're looking for community and relationship. I think people generally want to be better. You know, I started going back to church again in my twenties because I was like going out a lot. I was drinking, like it wasn't affecting my work. I was just being 20 and that's what right. some of the other 20 year olds did. And then I wasn't meeting girl. I wanted to meet a girl, like a girl to get serious with. And I wasn't meeting those girls out at, out at the bars <laughs> and out late at night. And so I said, where's the one place I know where there's like quality girls? Cause I was raised in a church. I was like, there's some really cool people at the church and they get up early. So they're not out late and stuff like that. And so I started and then I met my wife in a small group, uh, you know, probably like a year or so later. And then we dated, got married. Now we have two kids. Yeah. Super cool. And she did the same thing. She was going, and it was funny because when we met, we were like, we don't want a relationship because we were both serving in the same group. And we're like, we're, let's just be friends because I just need some time away from what I was doing. And she was like, yeah, I was going out and stuff. And like, I just need to not be in a relationship right now. So we just kind of served in this group together for a little bit. And then um, things kind of progressed. So that's, that's actually, I think the way it should be quite honestly, you know, friends to friends to a dating relationship. And because if you don't do that, if you don't, I don't know where else to find people who have a common set of values. They're not the same as you and you wouldn't want, I don't know. I, my wife is not the same as me and I'm glad for that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But we have a set of common values. And when, when the, you know, the proverbial crap hits the fan or the times are tough or we're not sure what to do or whatever, having, having a sense of common value and then having roughly the same destination. We're both going to the same place. I think that that's probably the biggest thing that's kept us together and not just surviving, really kept us growing 
um, together over the years. So that's been a big part of it. It definitely heals relationships too, because we hadn't been going to church since having the first kids. We met in church, but then we weren't going to church because we had the, our first kid and that's just tough. And um, so we just got out of the habit of doing yeah. it. And then it, that just wore on the relationship. And so when COVID was happening, we were like, we've got to get back into church because like our relationship is in a difficult moment right now. And so uh, we started going back to church and it doesn't happen overnight, but over the course of several months, the relationship repaired. That's when I got interested in tithing. And then, so that's right. like the past year for me. So a lot's been, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. A lot's been going Super on this proud past of you year. For that. That's really cool. Yeah. If, it feels good. And that's why I wanted to learn how to talk about faith in the workplace. Right. Because, you know, you get excited about that. It's like your life starts changing. It gets better. It's slow. It's difficult. It's like anything. Right. But you, it's like I can work out my body and get a better body. I can work out my mind, get a sharper mind. I can work on my appearance. I can do all of these things. But like working on your spiritual self is something that affects all of us. And I mean, it affects your quality of life and your and your days. And it's like, how, how do you go about sharing that in a work setting? Do you just wait for opportunities? What does that look like? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things I would share with you. And, and the, the first is maybe kind of a a view that I have on this idea of, of uh, the purpose of being a Christian. So I, I, I don't believe that the purpose of me being a follower of Jesus is to get to heaven. That's not my goal. That's, that's the reward or a reward, but it's not the purpose. And... Uh, the purpose for me is, is bringing heaven to earth. That's the purpose of being a, a believer for me. And, and I think that's what Jesus meant. You know, he, 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 uh, he said, so when you pray, pray like this, and we know the Lord's Prayer, right? And if I was to paraphrase it, it starts off with, you know, Father in heaven, you are holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think what he was really saying is, wherever you are on earth, bring the kingdom of God there with you. Whatever that means, whatever God has revealed to you that that means, bring that with you. And so for, for me, my goal is to bring the kingdom of God, bring, bring what heaven has, here on earth. I'm not interested in telling you the gospel so that I can convince you to go to my church. That's not my goal. I'm not interested in presenting the gospel of Jesus in a way that you have to say a certain prayer at a certain time. That's not my goal. I'm not trying to manipulate a situation to have you say a prayer. My goal is to understand where you are at, human to human, person to person, where are you at in life, and are you stuck someplace? And can I bring heaven into that place for you? So let me give you an example of what that looks like um, in just a, a real you know, work situation. So this is several years ago. Um, I would come into the office sometimes by myself early before anybody else, and I would just pray over the building. Now, I owned this particular time, I owned I was one of the owners of the company. And so I would go around the building and I'd just pray. And I'd pray over people that worked there. And 
you know, they all knew that I was a believer and, and that wasn't kind of, there wasn't any conflict with that. But one, one evening I get a phone call from one of my engineers, it's about eight 30 or nine o'clock. And he says, uh, Hey, can I, can I get you to meet me at the office? Sure. So I show up and he's sitting in the conference room with a cup of coffee and, uh, I'm like, dude, what are you, what are you doing here? And he said, um, he was struggling with alcoholism and he had, uh, been struggling with that prior to when he started work for us. And, and I knew that about him and he had shared that with me. And, uh, he said, I'm, I'm in the middle of a conflict right now with my wife and my old patterns would be to go drink. And I don't want to do that. I'm like, okay. He said, so what I do is I come sit here by myself in the middle of the night. Okay, why? Well, because there's peace here that I don't get someplace else. All right, well, what can I do for you? And he said, you're older than me. Can you help me understand what to do in these situations in my life? And so now I'm able to bring the kingdom of God at his request into the situation. Yeah, dude, everybody has conflict with their wife. You're not the only one. You, you know Janelle and I really well, and you can see the conflict with us. But here's what's different. We both give God an opportunity to speak to each other separately about the thing that we're having conflict with. So here's what I would do if I were you. Can I just pray with you about it? Can I just give you this counsel and advice. And for however long this conflict is with you and your wife, I'm willing to just hang out with the two of you. And you wanna bring Janelle in? The four of us could hang out together and we could work together on how to resolve this with the two of you. So that's an example of a situation where he, he happened to be stuck. Really smart guy, very courageous guy, former Marine, you, you know, always able to take care of myself. He was stuck. But because I lived out my faith openly around him, he had confidence to come to me and say, um, here's where I'm at. Can you help? That is a good story, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, that is that is amazing. And and th so that wasn't an AVI that was at the company before. Yeah. That was at a, at a company before. I mean, I've got stories like that here at AVI. I have stories like that, not just of me, but of people who work here with me, who are now on their own faith journey, who have done similar things with other people that work here. Because it's not about, it's not about, can I convince you to go to church with me? Or can I convince you to say a certain prayer? It's really about it's really about God meeting you. And what is the kingdom of heaven? What is heaven? If heaven was here right now, what would God do in the situation for you? Can I do that for you? The church has changed so much since I grew up in it. You know, <laughs> I was talking with my sister the other day because um, it was like Easter coming up. And yeah. so I invited her to the Easter service. And she's like, I don't do that since I was a kid. You know, I'm atheist. And I was like, okay, we'll just get plugged into your atheist community. So at least you're around like other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And that are sharing and helping you to like get some community. Um, and so I, uh, you know, I was just talking with her and trying to figure out like, 
inviting her. But one of the one of the things they mentioned when uh, at church about inviting people to a service like an Easter service, they did a study like a, a national, I'm not going to repeat it well, but some sure. national organization did a study on Americans receptiveness to like invitations to church or like things or the concept of God. And it was uh, 5% of, I think it was like 110 million people or something. 5% of them would uh, respond negatively. Like they're like out to get, they're like, absolutely not. No way don't like God, don't even bring that jazz around here type deal. That means 95% would respond <laughs> with interest is what they said. Right. They said they'd respond yeah. with interest or they would say, no, thank you. So for me, that was really interesting because it's like, it's like a squeaky wheel situation, right? You hear the two or three people out there that are really loud with their megaphone. And so then that makes me like a little shy. It makes me a little shy to talk about faith. It makes me a little shy to like, man, just to be direct with you, you know, like I pray at church and we pray over the cardinal points and things like that. But the, the visualization of you walking around the building, praying at your office for me, that's, that's like a far place for me to get, but I feel like I'm going there. Like I, yeah. I desire to have that confidence and, but I'm just right now I'm working on surrounding myself with other people. So I joined, uh, our church has a business leaders group, right? And so, uh, they don't start until July cause I missed like the January onboarding, sure. but you're in a group with like 200 business leaders in the local area. And you walk through this content from this other church, I think called gateway church. It's not local, but they use their content. And you basically walk through it in a small group with other Christian business leaders. And so I was like, what I'm doing now is strategically positioning myself around these other people so I can watch their behaviors and learn how to go that direction. Yeah. I mean, at, at its core con construct, it isn't leadership really about, you can't actually elevate to a place of leadership until people are willing to follow right? Followers are way more important to creating a leader than a leader's particular, you know, skill set or charisma or whatever else. And if you're going to lead somebody to, to Jesus, or you're going to lead somebody to a whole, you know, some place in life where that maybe there's some brokenness or hurt and, 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 and uh, you want them to be in a place of wholeness, you have to be able to first have enough proximity with them that they're willing to follow you. you. You have some authority with them. You know, they think that you're authoritative on the topic or whatever, but they've also have some level of proximity to you. And so because of that, they're willing to follow. And dude, I, I've seen you with your staff firsthand. I've watched you work with your team. There's, there's a, what you do creates a desire to follow just who you are, Joel. And uh, I don't, I don't know that you have to preach to anybody or stand up and give this killer testimony. I, I think the the more that Jesus leads you and how you do your your how you lead your your team and your organization, that that's going to be attractive to the people around you, and you're going to find yourself in places where they're asking you for something spiritual because that's becoming more and more obvious to them. So my, I would encourage you, um, you know, stay on the journey of trying to understand how to communicate your faith, but 
I would I would be less concerned about can I tell a story, and I would be way more interested in uh, how can I transfer something of God into the people around me, because once they get a they get a connection to the real, honest, authentic Jesus. I mean, he's so attractive on their own that on his own that they're going to want to find out more on their own too. I love the way you described your view of <laughs> of um, I guess the way I'm trying to remember how, exactly how you said it, but you want to like bring heaven into it. It's not about yeah. getting them to join your church or to say a prayer yeah. or do this specific action. It's about like embody these principles of heaven and then bring them to people. Yeah. And for me, I love that because. Um, Earlier we were saying, you know, the church I grew up in was, I mean, for lack of a better term, like very rule oriented and shame based. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the church I'm in now is like, to their jobs like to remove the shame. Right? right. It's like, look, we're human. We've got some stuff we're all working through. Nobody's perfect, but here we're agreeing to like these concepts, and we're going to live in this way and we're going to make mistakes along the way, but we're here and we're going to do this together in community. And that's so much more inclusive than the exclusive type church that I grew up in. And so I think a lot of people are hurt, like specifically my sister, you know, I, she's so against it because of that bad experience. And I find some people are really against it because they had really bad experiences, but you know, the church has evolved significantly. Man, I hope so. Because I, I think, so, you know, there's different, I don't want to judge anybody or put any particular kind of church down, but there's there's different expressions of church. And one expression of church is that church is a club. You know, I kind of pay my dues. I go there because there's other people around me that share an affinity for the same thing that I, that I have. And so it's a club. And if you're on the outside, and you haven't paid the dues to get in, whether that's tithing or whatever it is, you're not really part of the club. You can hang out at the clubhouse, but you're not really part of the club. There's a lot of churches that are kind of like that. Man, that hurts my heart, right? And, and then there's then there's churches, and I think this is where you're, you're leaning to, and there's churches that have decided that what's happening inside the walls of the church is awesome, but that's really not the purpose of the church. That would be like a football team practicing all the time and never really going to the game. Because the real game of the church isn't to do what we do inside the church. The real game of the church is to do what we do outside the church, to really have an impact to the community or to the people I live next to, or, you know, the way I coach a, you know, peewee football team, or, you know, the, the way that I, I, I lead and interact with my team at work or whatever it is, that's the purpose of the church. And in fact, it's funny because the in in the forgive me, dude. I don't mean to sound like I'm preaching here, but the the word, the Greek word that we translate into the English word church, actually means technically to come out of your house into the public marketplace. Work. That's actually what the term church means. It means to get out of your house and go do something out in the public, and. Uh, when we as a church think that the purpose of church is for us to do God stuff inside the four walls of our building and to protect that building and the people inside from the evil in the world, man, we're upside down because that's not what the purpose is. Dude, you've got to 
full, you need to go full on pastor here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear more sermons from, from you. I really enjoyed the one that you sent over. How many have you done? Do you do them oh, regularly? A yeah, lot? I preach, I preach probably now, uh, I'll, I'll do the Sunday morning service maybe every, every once a month or every, oh, every right. six weeks or whatever. And yeah, I'll, I'll send you links to it. I mean, I'm obviously passionate about it and, and love sharing about it. Um, yeah, yeah, I like if you have it on YouTube, that'd be great. I have a like playlist. I follow like Stephen Furtick on YouTube. Oh yeah. Um, the elevation, I think is that church. And then I think Craig something, Craig Rostrell. Yeah. Um, like life church, I think that's yeah. what it is. And so if I could throw your, and then actually, um, had a really cool guy on here, David and, or Dave and, uh, QTS data centers are like the largest data center in North America. Right. Yeah. But you don't really know him. It was funny because he like can't say the brand names, but he's like, you know, the big four, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so then he he was up in like North Atlanta area and he had a, uh, a guy that uh, he referred to me from his church. So I started following their YouTube and that was really good. And I just keep finding these great people. And so if I can like follow you on YouTube or follow your church oh, yeah, and like man. get your sermons on YouTube, I would definitely yeah. add you into the mix. Yeah, I'd love to do it. We're experimenting. Just talk about church for a moment. We're experimenting with something um, at our church. And that is, is there a way to create a sense of community online and not just a sense of viewership? And so, you know, we're, strangely enough, I know a tech guy that does a lot of this online media stuff. And so we end up spending a lot of time kind of reimagining what church might look like as a result of that. But yeah, I'll send you the links to it for our YouTube channel, and I'll send you some links to some specific um, messages that I've given maybe in the last, I don't know, four or five months, so you can kind of get an idea of those. So that'd be great. Like, I run out of them, to be honest with you. Like, I listen to all of them on YouTube, and I'm like, all right, let's go listen to some other stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah so I'm always looking for for really good content. One, one other thought I wanted to run by you. Okay, so I'm a big nerd, right? Yeah. And I have found that, like I really, really am fascinated by simulation theory, right? Like I've had, I've gotten to talk to people on it. I've listened a lot on it. And then I had this like epiphany, I guess a little bit before the podcast with Pastor Andy. And it was like, okay, well, if you, if, if all the technologists are like really cool, really hyped up about this simulation theory, I mean, that requires the concept of God to be true because that means we were, it was made outside of like, if we're most likely in a simulation then someone had, to, or like something had to make it. Right. Yeah. So, so the, the idea of, you know, the matrix or somebody, somebody pulling levers and pushing buttons and driving a, a, uh, environment that we're all living in. There's there's an element of that 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 there's truism to it. I think, which is, um, I, I'm a believer in uh, intentional design, uh, and that there's there's just so much evidence to me that the way that creation works is that there's an intelligent creator to it, and so that part of the simulation theory I think holds water. I think there's elements to that, but there's a there's an interesting part. Um, to how God created us as as spiritual soul and body that I think is interesting and and this is the part where I struggle how do I 
how do I bring it all together? Maybe you've got some insight you could help me kind of look through a different lens. And, and that is this whole idea of, uh, of free will and authority. And so here's what I mean by this. So in the very beginning, Adam and Eve seemingly had enough authority over creation that they were able to give title to the earth to Satan in exchange for something they wanted. And since that moment in time, Jesus came as a human to take the authority of earth and give it back to humans. And so the, the construct of, of the, of, you know, the matrix basically says that, that um, as I understand it says that somebody is manipulating the outcome to get to a certain destination or destiny. And that seems to fly in contrast to God's desire to restore lost authority back to people and individuals. So how did teach me what's your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know if we were talking about from like a simulation standpoint, yeah, I like to run the exercise to better understand God. And I feel like it's like would not be allowed to be talked about in church for some reason, <laughs> but I like to figure out what I would do if I were creating a simulation, right? Like, one one thought that I have regularly is, okay, so we can judge the age of matter with science. Like we know it's billions of years old, right? Like let's, like if we took a hundred million years, right? We would get bored. Maybe this is like the playground, right? And we wouldn't want everything to be perfect because if everything was like perfect, that would be boring. If everything didn't exist, that's still nothing. So this is kind of like the in-between. So imagine, if you will, everything on a spectrum, right? Yeah. Life and death spectrum. All emotions are like on a spectrum. Uh, free will would even be on a spectrum. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I have free will. And sometimes I feel like the thing just happened, like I'm a character in a movie. And so I believe we're on all of the, like there's like all of these intersecting spectrums. I don't think it can be like hacked. I don't think it can be, <laughs> I think it's so good at being randomized and we're all on these like journeys. And I feel like this is one of the best things ever created, but it can be simultaneously heaven and hell. Like you can make choices yeah. and go in certain directions on this journey in this game of life, if you will, that end up in hell and you can go on these journeys and you can at any point in time, you can turn it around. Like I believe at any point in time, you can choose to turn it around um, both ways. I believe you can go up or down. Like you can either start making your life heaven or you can just take your life that's already heaven and make it hell really quick. Yeah. And so, um, and I think that a lot of, like, with that sort of conversational topic, I see the Bible as, and the teachings of Jesus as this guideline, like, here is, here is a direction. It's not perfect. It's not systematic. It's not a switch you can flip. It's not a prayer you can say, but here is a, here is a set of like guidelines. Here is some areas for you to go, but it's, you always have to put, and I found this true in business too. So like the entrepreneurs are like, absolutely right. Or anyone that takes a product to market, you, you can't start with the finished product. Like you just right. can't, 
you have to have some conversations, go on this journey, start to build, get a couple customers, do some proofs of, con- it's this, it's this constant journey. It's, it's, it's a long endeavor, but on the cosmic time scale, it's very short. Right. So I don't know. Those are just some of the thoughts that run through my mind sometimes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I don't know that I necessarily have an opinion one way or the other on it as, as much as I, I agree with you that um, it is a journey, and and, and uh, as I the, the longer my journey is, it seems like the more God is able to reveal things to me. And I don't, and I, you know what? The other, I guess, the other point part of it is, is that it's not just God like uh, giving me a peek behind the curtain. It's it's actually God revealing His heart. And there's an affection there. And because of that, I begin to know him better. And so um, I don't know why I started going down that path other than the fact that it's a journey. Yeah, no, I fully agree. I I tend to find that like I'm the more, I don't teach, right? So it's not like I'm sitting here planning these thoughts out or like right, I'm not even writing them down. I just kind of, they pop into my head sometimes, but what I believe is however it looks for me as an individual, right? That could be like my private relationship with God. But the fact that my intention is to seek God and to better understand him, I feel like I'm justified in my, in the thoughts that happen because I'm doing it from a place of trying to understand. And that's just how it expresses with me. And, and I'm, I'm having a, hard time being comfortable with that and that's why i love this show because <laughs> it's like i was the most shy person in the world three years ago and then now i'm i i i save the hardest moments in my life to like talk about with people like right now because you're brilliant man you've got so much life experience you i admire you a great deal i look forward to you know understanding your behaviors more and implementing them in my life you're inspiring to me and so thank you dude i'm really grateful to like to be able to be open and real with you and (laughs) yeah i have enjoyed it i've been looking forward to this conversation since you first reached out and said hey this is what we're this is what we're thinking because i i love this conversation man and i just enjoy hanging out with you quite honestly me too. We need to get back to get, I can't wait till the, the world's open again <laughs> Exactly <laughs> for intrastate travel. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about everything that's going on and uh, to have you in my life. Super grateful about that. I mean, we made a podcast. <laughs> that's right. I, I, I love the conversation today and I really appreciated your courage to have it. Um, because it's it's not often that you can be open about faith and work. And I, um, I'm obviously super passionate about it. So thanks for giving me a chance to talk about it. Oh, I honestly, I think it's going to, and you're welcome. And I think it's going to be useful to some people out there because I think there are other people out there too that are thinking the same thing and that they may be going to church and they don't know how to talk about it or how it expresses at work. So they just don't say anything. But yeah, I've read some articles online and, you know, it was really positive in the sense that when people are struggling, almost no one's going to turn down you praying for them. Like if someone's going through a difficult moment, almost nobody, even if they're atheists, like they're gonna be like, well, let's try anything, you know? <laughs> That's exactly. I mean, I, I don't want to take up more time, but can I tell one more story along that Yeah, line? for sure. Yeah. 
So I'm out in, uh, this is a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm out in Cincinnati. I'm working with some customers out there and, and uh, um, I'm getting ready to fly back home. And I, all I have in mind is I've got a long flight. I want to get something to eat and I know I've got to get some emails out. So when I get in that mode, man, I'm just like focused on my little screen and that's it. Right. And so I, I dodge into this uh, little pizza place in the airport and uh, I'm typing away and the server comes up to me and, and uh, takes my order. And as she's getting ready to leave, I, you were, I, I hear God speak to me in my heart. And you were talking about this with your pastor, how God speaks to you. I hear God say to me in my heart, I like her pay attention. So I'm like, I don't have time for this. I've got like 10 minutes to get something to eat. I got to go catch a plane. She comes back and, and uh, we have a little short conversation and she leaves and I hear the Holy Spirit say again, I like her, pay attention to her. So as she comes back to bring me my check, I said, so, so how you doing? And she goes, um, quite honestly, not very well. I said, okay, what's that? What's that about? And she says, um, she begins to just like tell me how crappy it is to work in this place and blah, blah, blah. And this whole story kind of comes out and uh, she turns around and walks away. That was the end of the conversation. And oh, that was interesting. A couple minutes later, she comes back and she goes, you know, I apologize. I should have never have said that. I shouldn't be talking like that with a customer. You just asked me and it just kind of came out. And, you know, I said, it's, it's perfectly okay. I'm fine. We all have those kinds of days would you mind if I prayed for you? And she's like, well, no. Okay. Well, how about we do it right now? And so as I begin to pray for her, that God would, um, what is it that God would do if God was standing here? How do I bring heaven into this gal's life right at this moment? And as I'm, as I'm praying over her, I, I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me and he says, she's really, really alone. And so I just start praying over friendships and connections. And I don't know if you have a church that you go to and, you know, this, this whole kind of thing, man, she's just like bawling her eyes out. She's snotting right now. She just can't kind of keep it together. And, and so I'm crying now because she's crying. I get done praying lasts 30 seconds. She leaves, doesn't say anything like, man, you're a jerk or you suck or man, that was awesome. Nothing just leaves comes back and said, why did you do that? I said, well, because I, God said to me, I like her, pay attention to her. And then this whole story comes out about how she moved from her family in Texas to Ohio to take care of her mom who was dying. Her mom just died and now she's alone in this town that has nobody to talk to and this whole thing, just a person struggling with life. And she just starts weeping and says, do you really think that God knows me? I'm convinced of it. And here's what I would do if I were you. And I just shared with her some ideas to how to start a prayer time with God and then how to have a conversation with him and then where to find good people and what good people look like. That was the last time I saw her. I never had a conversation with her since. But the idea is, is that in that moment in time, um, I was so focused on getting my task done that I almost missed an opportunity for God to say, hey, look, I care about this person. Would you just ask how they're doing today? No preaching involved, no big theological story, nothing. I just 
needed just a person there that's needed to get loved on for a moment. And she gave me permission to do it. And so I did. And, and I think it radically changed who she was. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.